Well, hey guys, I just I hope you made a friend. I know if you're an introvert, that's the like worst part. It's not going to get worse than that, I promise. I won't make you meet anybody else the rest of the time. You can sit and not look anybody in the eyes if that makes you feel better. I'm just blocking the light because I want to see your beautiful faces. Y'all look good. Welcome to Yona. My name is Caden Fabrizio, and I have the honor of leading this, what we call a unity and evangelism movement. And I also get to lead it alongside an amazing staff. Can we just give a round of applause to our Yona staff for just all their hard work, for everything that they do? They're just such a blessing. And I, I think you should know that every single person that you're seeing here tonight, not to like talk about money, you know, like right off the bat, like really, we're going to go to money. Nobody here makes a dime. We all volunteer our time because we believe that God is moving. And our whole staff volunteers ridiculous amounts of hours a week to plan and prep for something like this because we believe that God's moving. And so just once again, give a round of applause for them and for the, the worship team. The other really cool thing about Yona is that, like I told you, we're not just, a, we're not a church. We're just a house of many believers. So if you're a pastor in this room, if you serve at a church, if you're on staff somewhere, would you just stand to your feet? We'd love to honor you. Give them a round of applause, please. Come on, I know there's people in this area that should be standing. Come on, give them a round of applause. Thank you so much for what you guys do. The really cool thing is that we've actually been so blessed to partner with this amazing organization called Crossover. And they have created a database where you guys can go if you're looking for a home church, if you're looking for a community, if you're looking for a place to find friends and family, we have an amazing partner. You can scan this QR code and type in your address and your name, and they'll show you a, clo- a church that's close to you, and you can get plugged in. Because how many know being a believer is hard? Oh, some of you are really holy, and it's easy. You got it. Don't do it alone. So we just want to, we just love Crossover. Thank you so much, Josh and Lexi, for being here with us, man. If you guys need a church, hit that QR code. All right, enough is enough. Let's preach. How's that sound? Come on. You guys got your Bibles? Go ahead and take out your Bible. Turn with me to Proverbs 1. I made it easy. I made it simple. Proverbs uno. That's Spanish for one. What? Hey, holler at me if you're there. Are you there? All right, cool. Proverbs is, it's, it's called the book of wisdom. And what's really cool about the book of wisdom is that King Solomon from back in the day actually wrote this book to give us heavenly revelation about how to actually live a Christian life. He gave us wisdom that could actually be implemented daily into what we do. So we're going to read here in verse 32. But before I preach, I just got to say this. It's awfully quiet, and I'm not a quiet person. So I'm going to need you guys to get a little loud with me. Please, please shout me down. Please get with me. I see you. I hear you. Shout me down. Help me out. Give me a hallelujah and amen. If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, let's do it together. How's that sound? I don't want to preach alone. I believe the more that we lean in together, the more that we can take out together. And I'm trying to get something out of Scripture tonight. How about you? Come on. Hey, I also feel like the let's go Caden is so formal. I love that. Let's go Caden Fabrizio, born in, living at, at, I love you. Proverbs 1, 32 through 33. I'm going to read out of the NASB. It says, for the waywardness of the naive will kill them. And the complacency, somebody say complacency, of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely, someone say securely, and will be at ease from the dread of evil. And will be at ease from the dread of evil. Tonight's message, I just want to speak for a few moments off the idea crushed by comfort. Look at your neighbor, ask them if they're crushed. No, don't ask them if they're your crush. Ask them, are you, cr- are you crushed? I just set somebody up. Somebody was like, let me get your number, girl. 
Hey, let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We just thank you for what you're doing here. We just pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would we hear your voice today? God, I just pray right now, if there's anybody in this room that does not believe in Jesus, that has no idea why we're raising our hands and we're getting loud, I pray you'd make yourself evident today, Jesus. We love you. And everybody said, I said everybody, not half y'all. See, I, uh, I grew up, I don't want to say different than y'all, but every single year, my family and I, we would go on a family vacation. And my family vacation was not typical to maybe what your guys' family vacation looked like, or at least maybe what my friend's family vacation looked like. When I, when I was about 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, for most of my life, every single summer, my family would get ready to go on a family vacation by packing a 35-foot camping trailer full of all the necessities that were going to be needed to survive in the most remote, desolate, dry, and empty place that we could find. This was not vacation. This was man versus wild, people. I want you to understand this. And we would, we would get so excited to go on these, these, these camping events that we would pack this trailer. We would drive four to eight hours to find a spot that we could call home. But it didn't feel like home. This wasn't vacation. This was survival. Like literally, we would, we would fish for what we ate. We would boil water in the stream to shower in it. I'm serious. I know, I know. I don't really like, he doesn't give camping. I know I don't give camping. I've grown. You tried all inclusive? It'll change you. But we would go every year and we'd be excited and, and we'd pack up this trailer. We'd drive four to eight hours. And if you've ever been camping, you know that this is a process. Like camping is a very serious thing. Why? Because you have to survive. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no, hey, let's see what's in the fridge to eat. No, let's see what's in the creek to eat. And so my family, we got so good at this that every single year we would, we would pack our trailer. We'd drive four to eight hours. We'd find a spot. And my family was so dialed that we knew the second my dad backed that trailer into our spot, we better scatter. Time to get to our jobs. If you know anything about camping, you know the first day of camping is actually the least relaxing day of camping. It's work. You gotta set up your spot to get ready to live in it. We would go for two weeks. Why? What are we doing? And so we would pull up into these, these campsites, we'd back in, and everybody had an assigned job. Every single person. My dad would throw the, the truck in park, he'd hop out, he'd go immediately start working on the hitch of the trailer. My mom would run inside, jump in the trailer, and start getting the, the, pulling out everything we would need to be, to, for this thing to be livable for the next two weeks. And then my sister would sit there on her phone or something. I have no idea what she would do. But me, I had the most important job. And you can tell because they gave it to a seven-year-old. My job was to get out of the truck and as quickly and efficiently as I could grab a wrench, reach under the trailer, and begin to crank down the supports that are needed for the trailer to be lived in. You can't just park a trailer and live in it. you got to get it stable. And so seven-year-old Caden would hop out in a mid-August in Bishop Mountain, California, where it's 95 degrees, and I'd start cranking. I think I was the first seven-year-old with chronic back pain. Like, I'm telling you, you got to imagine, like a seven-year-old, this is not an easy job. This is a super uncomfortable job. I had to figure out a way, and my arms weren't really long enough to reach the, 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 the screw I had to unscrew to bring everything down. And so I would get in these awkward positions, and there was like 10 of them, and I would try my best, and I would try so hard, and it would take me hours. Like, my sister and mom would be like knitting at the campfire by the time I was done. And so naturally, every single year, I would try a new way to make this comfortable. 
I would try kneeling, but if you know anything about camping, it's not like you're kneeling on grass. It's usually rocks or gravel, so that wasn't comfortable. And then I, I tried, okay, well, maybe if I just do, maybe if I just like squat really low, who can sit in a squat that long? Impossible. I tried like the Tim Tebow thing. I tried it all. Like, and I just could not figure out a way for this job to be bearable until one day. We back in the trailer on a summer day in Bishop, California. I get to cranking. And I go, I wonder why I've never tried to just sit on my butt and put my legs under the trailer and just leisurely crank. So I would sit there, got down on my butt, put my legs under the trailer, and sweet relief, come on, somebody. (laughs) And I began to crank. And I was like, I did it. I found it. We're good. And my dad, from the front of the trailer, he yells, hey, Cade. Get up. That's not a good idea. Now, I am not typically known for being a great listener. I know these ears would tell you otherwise. (laughs) But I think this microphone could also prove that I am a talker. But for some reason that day I decided, okay, I I guess I'll, I'll get up. And as I went to stand up, from my legs being underneath this 4,000-pound, four-ton camping trailer, the front hitch of the trailer that my dad was working on snapped, and the full force of the 4,000-ton, 4,000-pound, four-ton trailer came smashing into the ground. It missed my legs by millimeters, and the force of the trailer was so powerful it threw me back four to five feet. That day... I was literally almost crushed by comfort. And this is what we do. Humans have a natural inclination to desire comfort. It's why we like hot showers. Even though some of you guys are like, no, I'm doing cold showers. All right, bro. (laughs) It's why we like nice hotels. It's why when it's hot in the house, we make it cold. It's why when it's cold in the house, we make it hot. It's why when conversations get awkward, we pull out our phones and go on Instagram. Why? Because we just want to be comfortable. We're like water. The natural human inclination is to move in the direction of least resistance. To flow where things are easy. To find something that's comfortable. Y'all need to get a little louder. And we have this inclination that, that, that seeps into every part of our life, making us want to have the most comfortable situation or scenario at all times. But I want to present tonight that maybe your human inclination, your desire for comfort, the comfort in your life is actually the thing that's crushing you. Why? Because for us, our humanness makes us want to self-soothe as much as we can. So for us, comfort, it looks like anything that can give us a momentary hit of relief. That's why for some of us, comfort is just, you know, I'm just going to have a drink. It's why for some of us, comfort is gossip. It's why for some of us, comfort is pornography. It's why for some of us, comfort is smoking marijuana. Or going out partying. Or maybe your comfort is speaking lies over yourself. There's something in your life that you have used to help you cope for comfort. Our verse in Proverbs tells us that the complacency of fools will destroy them. Harsh. Complacency. In other words, comfort. What is going to make me comfortable? Because our human inclination for comfort is actually produced out of something completely different. There's a root. There's a reason that I need to be comfortable. There's a reason I got to numb. There's a reason that I got to just find a way to check out. 
There's a reason why I got to experience momentary love. There's a reason why I got to trade potential of my destiny so I can feel something. See, because this human inclination for comfort doesn't last, does it? See, you don't have a 4,000-pound trailer hanging over your head tonight. Like, looks? What was that? Dad joke from stage? You might not have a trailer looming over your head ready to crush you, but you might have something. And you might have categorized it as comfort. It's just, it's just a couple of drinks, man. Chill. It's just the way that I forget about what happened in my past. It's just the way that I feel loved for a moment because I never was. It's just the way I get the anxiety to stop nagging at me for 10 seconds. And tonight, I want to present that what's looming over you, your comfort potentially ready to crush you, has a solution. It has a solution. Because what I read in my Bible is it tells me right here that there's a way for me to live securely. But what is this way? Well, let me explain it this way. Your inclination for comfort is actually another human condition. It's actually this thing in your life that's called a void. It's actually this thing in your life that is an empty part in your life that you are trying to fill. It's the human condition. We all have it. We all have this thing in our lives, this, this thing in our, this nagging sensation in our heart that tells us we're never full. We're never whole. That I'm always anxious. That I'm always depressed. That I'm never loved. That I can sleep with as many people as I want, but I can never fill this. That I can smoke as much as I want, but I can't fill this. That I can do whatever I want, drink wherever I want, party however I want, but it just will not be full. Maybe for a moment but it wears off. See, there's a human condition called a void in your soul. And what's crazy about this void is it's actually something that was produced out of this, out of this relation to God. See, in order to understand why you're searching for comfort, you actually have to understand where the void came from. See, I think there's people in this room tonight that they, they hear me, like they get it. And even, you may even be a believer. But can I tell you that God sees it? He knows the void. He knows the hurt. He knows the pain. It's why he intervened. It's why a God-man came down named Jesus to take on all the sin, all the depression, all the hurt, to take the void and take it to the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, it tells us, yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought it was his troubles that were punishments from God, a punishment for his sin. But really, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus took the crushing so that you don't have to. He saw a problem that he didn't start and said, I'll fix it. He was crushed, so I didn't have to be. And listen, in order for you to understand this, you have to understand the complexity and the relationship with man and God. So let me give you a quick rundown of uh, humanity for the last thousands of years as fast as I quickly can. Okay, a sip of water. Here we go. So God creates man. Correct? Some of you are like, I don't know. 
Still figuring that out. And he creates man to walk in fullness, hand in hand, in full relationship with him. He creates man to be fully known by Jesus, by God. He places them in a place called Eden, where he gives them free will and a free choice to choose a loving relationship with God forever. However, in order for a relationship to be real, it has to have a choice. There has to be an option to choose. So God gives man a choice. And he says, hey, you can choose me or you can choose yourself. And what man does is man, out of their own choice, makes a decision to choose themselves. Now this choice, it actually drove a wedge between man and God. And this wedge, it's called sin. Before you get weird with the S word, it just means missing the mark that God set. My Bible tells me that we've all sinned. So don't get weird, join the club. This wedge is called sin. And this wedge between man and God is what has created this void. It's what has created this lacking and this desire to know Jesus. It's what has created the aching to be comfortable. Because man made a choice to rebel against God. My Bible says that he was pierced for our rebellion. For our choice to not choose him. That's where this gets really interesting though. God says, I see that wedge. And I don't like it. I see what separated me from who I created to live in fullness with forever. And I don't like it. And God said, I know I didn't put it there. I know it's not my problem, but I'll solve it. And some of you may be in this room tonight going, I think God's mad at me. I think God's a mean God. I think he's an evil God. I think he's as an angry God. But let me ask you a question. Would you... Solve someone's problem you don't love. Let's put it this way. They did the crime, so they have to do the time. Our our God's a just God. He is. He sees the oppressed. He's just. He's kindness. He's mercy. And in order to be kind and mercy, you have to be just. Which means you can't have relationship with things that are not. So God says, I see the wedge, I see the crime, but I'll do the time. I wouldn't do the time for someone's crime that I don't love. No shot. I'd probably barely do it for someone I love. (laughs) That was on you, boo boo. (laughs) You didn't have to do that. I ain't got a record. God loves us so much that he said, I see the wedge that's separating me from my creation and I'm going to fix this issue. So what does he do? He comes down in human form. He says, I'll never sin. I'll live a perfect life. And then I'll go to the cross to be killed, beaten and whipped and do the time for the crime that I didn't commit. Because he loves you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he carried our weakness. He carried our sorrow. He carried our punishment, our sins. He was beaten for me. Whipped for me. Listen, he understood that in order for you not to be crushed by sin, he had to be. And tonight he's saying, listen, Whatever comfort is crushing you does not have to. I took the addiction on the cross. I took the pain on the cross. I took the fact your dad never loved you on the cross. 
I took the fact that you felt alone your whole life on the cross. I took the fact you can't smoke enough to be free on the cross. I took all of your comfort because I knew it would crush you. And I said, let it crush me so you could be free. Come on. There's some of you here like, dude, why the heck was that necessary? Why did, why did God die for me? Because God actually thought about you. And he saw the wedge that's been inside of you, the human inclination for comfort. And he said, there's only one thing in this life that can fill that. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he took all your comfort, all your sin, and you placed it on a cross so you could be whole. Because God knew that the only true comfort you were ever, ever going to receive was him. And he knew as a just God, there's a wedge between man and me, and I have to remove it. And I'll do it myself, because I love my people too much to put them through that. And he says, let me offer them something. Our opening scripture, Proverbs 1, through 33, it tells us, for the waywardness of the naive will kill them. And the complacency of fools, it'll destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely. Someone say securely. And will be at ease from the dread of evil. You know what the the Greek word for complacency here is in verse 32? It's this word salva. And what salva means in the Greek is it means security. And what's interesting about this Greek word is it's actually where we get our English word, salvation. So in the context of this verse, reading it with the Greek, you could actually read it, the false salvation and security of fools will destroy them. Because the world would love to try and convince you that you can do something to finally feel comfort. The world would love to convince you that you can get successful enough that you can be happy enough, that you can be rich enough, that you could have enough followers on Instagram, that you could have the nicest car, that you could live high, that you could party as much as you want, that you can get as many anxiety medications as you need. The, the, the world would love to tell you comfort is in your reach if you just work hard enough for it. There's something you can do to get comfort. But my Bible tells me that that's actually the false salvation of the world. The false salvation of the world says, are you uncomfortable? Then you fix it. Are you uncomfortable? Smoke this. Are you uncomfortable? Watch this. You'll feel loved for about three minutes. You are uncomfortable? You better find a way to not be uncomfortable. But Jesus, but Jesus, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says, you want to be comfortable? Receive what I've already given you. You want to be comfortable? Receive the gift of what I did on the cross for you. Do you want to be comfortable? Lay down your life. And let me intervene. And let me offer the only true comfort that, I, that you could ever have. 2 Corinthians 1.3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all of our what? What Jesus took to the cross was so that he could find a way to fill this eternal void, this human inclination for comfort. And he says, you don't need what the world can have, what offers you. 
You don't need the false salvation of the world. I have a free gift, a real gift of real salvation and comfort for your life. And it's free. It's literally free. You go, Kate, what's the catch? My dad said nothing in this world's free. The catch is that he's God. And he created this world. And he created you for a purpose. And if he wants to give you a free gift, it's yours. All you have to do is say, God, I receive it. No more striving. No more working harder. No more numbing of the pain. No more, no more feeding the void. that almost feels like it gets hungrier by the day. Deeper by the day. John 14, 27, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. A scripture tells us that the false salvation will destroy them. Jesus says, I have a real salvation that'll give you life. I have a real salvation that'll make you whole. I have a real salvation that can offer you the comfort you've never found. That can beat the sin you've never been able to beat. That can conquer the addiction that plagues your life. That can heal the anxiety that won't go away. That can heal the depression that almost made you not come tonight. He says, I got a free gift. And the world wants to tell you your salvation's in your hands. And he wants to tell you it was actually on the cross. And now all you have to do is reach out and grab it. There's salvation for your life. And it's true. And it's real. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a what? It's a gift from God. I love a good gift. It's a love language. <laughs> Buy me a pair of shoes, tell me I'm pretty. You know what's crazy about a gift? Is that oftentimes you can, you can determine how much someone cares about you by the level of gift they give you. Oh, great, this is awesome. I love these socks. I remember when I was a kid, my parents, they just worked so hard their whole life to give me and my sister the best Christmas that we could have. And I remember one Christmas morning, I came downstairs, excited to open all my presents from Santa and my parents. My parents actually would only give one Santa gift because they wanted all the credit. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. So excited to open all the gifts. And I saw the tree full of gifts. As we sat down to open, my sister opened gift after gift after gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. And I sat there and I said, oh, this is cool. I love this. I love this. I opened one gift. It was a t-shirt. I didn't feel very loved. And my dad goes, well, that's Christmas. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. And I'm like, am I missing something? And my dad goes, hey, Kate, can you go outside and grab me a water from the outside fridge? So I walked outside, and as I opened the door, I saw a brand-new Honda motorcycle sitting in the garage with a bow on it. And I looked at my sister, and I said, they love me so much more than you. Oh, my God. That's Jesus. He gave you a gift to prove how much he loved you and it was his own life. And he said, I'll take all of the pain of humanity. I'll take your inclination for comfort and I'll go on a cross and I'll die so that you could know me and you could finally be made whole. Why? Because I love you. Let me prove it with my body, with all that I am, with all that I have, with my flesh. Let it be beaten because I love them. And I want relationship with them. I need to know how their day's going. 
Jesus says, I need to know what's plaguing them. I need to know where my hand as a good father needs to intervene. But first I got to give them a gift so that they can open it and step into freedom and fullness like they've never had before. This gift that tells us, Proverbs 133, this gift that tells us at the end of our verse, says that with this gift, you can live securely and will be at ease. You know what that sounds like to me? Comfort. And listen, I can only preach this word to you because I've lived it. I had all the followers you could imagine, the money I wanted, could travel to wherever. I could drink as much as I wanted. I could wear whatever I wanted. I could buy whatever car I wanted. I did everything I could to build a life that would just maybe make me comfortable. I did everything I could to maybe find a life that would fill this void in me that said I wasn't enough. This void in me that said I couldn't perform enough for anyone to love me. And so I got the car, I got the, the, the shoes, I got the, the followers, I got the money. I even so much so went and got me a fiance. I had it all on paper but I had nothing in my soul. On paper, my life looked comfortable, but in my heart, I was being crushed. And Jesus intervened in my life. And he said from the front of the trailer, son, get up. That's about to crush you. And tonight, our heavenly father named Jesus is speaking to you. It's about to crush you, the addiction. It's about to crush you, the pain. It's about to crush you, the anxiety. It's about to crush you, the sin. And he says, get up and get out. And let me give you a gift. The gift of salvation, the gift of healing the gift of wholeness, the gift of fullness, the gift that just keeps on giving. He says, your comfort's crushing you, but I have one that will uplift you. I have one that'll bring you freedom. I have one that fixes the human condition that removes the wedge and gives you wholeness. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you don't even believe in Jesus, if you're here in this room, like, dude, somebody brought me, and y'all started doing weird things, and you raised your hands, and some of y'all were dancing, and that guy talks really loud, and y'all doing really weird stuff, and then this corner is, like, really loud at him for some reason when he talks. Like, just doesn't really make any sense. Let's hear my voice. Listen. God knows you and he knows you're here and he put you here for a purpose. And he says you're in this room because the wedge in your life that's kept you from him has become unbearable. And he says, I have a solution. I can save your life. The Bible says that all you have to do to receive this gift is believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that you believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sins. It's also okay to admit that you have sins. I'm not perfect. Are you perfect? Oh, it sounds like a lot of perfect people. My bad. We're good. Have a good night. My bad. He says, Jesus didn't come to shame you or to convict you 
or to call you dirty and unclean and you need to get your life together before you can come to Christ. He didn't come to you to say, hey, you better fix it yourself. Find a way to get comfortable and then come and we'll have a nice little party and I can get the credit. He said, come to me, broken, hurting, with a void in your life, needing a solution. Come to me with a limp. Come to me with an addiction. Come to me with pain. Come to me with depression. Come to me and I'll fix you. Come to me and I'll be the good doctor. Come to me and I'll give you provision for your life. Come to me. And I'll give you a gift that'll transform your life. What's cool about this gift is that this gift never runs out. Salvation with Jesus says that we get to live in eternity with him. And I love that. I love that I get to look forward to living in perfect paradise with the creator who created me. But you know what else the Bible says? The Bible says that you can also operate in the kingdom now. What does that mean? That means when you receive Jesus, you can operate in fullness now. You can receive healing now. You can receive the void in your life full now. You don't got to wait till eternity to get comfortable. But you can have the God of the universe come down into your life and say, I am the solution. Will your life be comfortable? Will your life be perfect? No. But it could be more comfortable. But it could be that you wake up with a new strength. That you wake up with a new promise in your life that you wake up actually wanting to wake up. That you wake up saying, I finally feel like I know what I was created for. And that's the big question of humanity, isn't it? What was I made for? Let me solve humanity's largest question. You were made for him. You were made to be in fullness and relationship to Jesus. You want to know why you're aching? Because you don't know him. You want to know why you think that if you just get promoted enough, it'll fix it? Because you were made for that. I was not made for this. I was made for Jesus. And so right now, all over this place, would you just stand to your feet? I'm going to give you an opportunity if you're in this room. And listen, I don't care if you're in the sound booth or you're running around with a headset or you're a student that's serving tonight. I don't care where you are in this room. If you want to receive this comfort, if you want to receive salvation for your life, if you say, I need what that guy in the weird pants is talking about, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to get up out of your seat to potentially for one of the last times beat the thing in your life that's saying no I think it'll be really uncomfortable if I get out of my chair and come down to the front we want to pray with you we want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus to access this comfort that you have been searching for you're not going to find it on TikTok You're not going to find it in a BMW. You're not going to find it when you get married. But you can find it tonight. So on the count of three, I want you to come down to the front if you want to give your life to Jesus. One, you know exactly who you are because I'm talking to you right now. You thought I've been talking to just you this whole time. Two, this choice could change your life. Don't let who's sitting next to you stop you from the best decision you could ever make. Three, come down to the front right now if you want to give your life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Clap your hands. Let's go. Come on. Come on, come to the front. Let's go. Now we, we got the non-believers, y'all. Come on. We got them. 
But there's also, there's also a lot of believers in this room. And there's believers in this room that are currently being crushed by comfort. Currently stuck in cycles of sin. Currently letting the looming doom of a full 4,000 pound trailer overhang them. And God's calling you tonight. He's saying, get up. There's more for your life. Because let me tell you, Christians, let me talk to the Christians. We can sometimes as Christians get so used to death that we actually think it's life. That depression doesn't have to rule your life. I don't care what your therapist says. I know who created you. He says, I have peace of mind for you. That anxiety doesn't have to rule your life. Jesus says, I have peace for you. And some of us as Christians, we've started to actually accept that maybe we will be addicted the rest of our lives. That maybe I will be stuck in cycles of sin forever. That maybe I will just suffer in this cycle of a search for comfort, even though I know there's Jesus and I gave my life to him. But tonight, God's asking you to respond one more time. He's saying, if you want to step in further to him, if you want to experience the comfort, if you need healing, if you need breakthrough, if you need chains of addiction and depression and anxiety to fall off your life, if you have secret sin that you have been so scared to tell your Bible study that you had hidden in your heart for so long that it's been crushing you and it's been lying to you and it's been the reason why you haven't stepped out and done what God's called you to do, I want you to respond tonight. Or if you've been stuck in comfort so much, you've been disobedient. God told you quit the job, but you didn't. God told you start the ministry, but you won't. God told you start the business, but it's scary and uncomfortable. So I'll just stay in what makes me comfortable. I'll stay in this rut. I'll stay in this pattern. I know I know Jesus. I know I'm saved. But there's more for your life. I actually think that most believers only operate in a small percentage of what the Holy Spirit has for your life. Because you come into agreement with things that God never spoke over you. I don't care that your dad said you'd never become anything. Your heavenly father said that you were made for a purpose. I don't care that you, do, that you don't believe that you will ever be free of, of addiction because you grew up in a household of addiction. God says, I set you free. I don't care if you say I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to bring heaven. So on the count of three, as we begin to sing out as a team, if you are a believer that says, I want more of Jesus, I want to find that comfort, I want to actually put myself in an uncomfortable position to be surrendered to Jesus by getting out of my seat next to my friends that think I'm really holy and come down to the front and say, God, I'm surrendered. Here's the white flag. Cover me, Holy Spirit. Anoint me, Holy Spirit. Set me free, Holy Spirit. If that's you, I'm not even going to count to three. Come to the front. Come down. No one's judging you. This is between you and God. Come on, get down on your knees if you want to. Come on.
my friends that came down to the front to give their life to Jesus. I just want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you right now and you gave your life to Jesus, how about we just all do this as a body, as a family? Let's just all pray this prayer together. But if you gave your life to Jesus tonight, this is a prayer between you and God. A prayer where you say, I surrender my life. I believe that Jesus is Lord, that he loves me. Repeat this prayer after me right now. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I also know that you offer me freedom. So right now, God, I declare that you are the Lord of my life. I give you my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Give me fullness. Give me comfort. Give me peace. Give me love. And give me joy. Because my life is yours. You are my king. You are my savior. You are my friend. And I give you my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so just give them a, just a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for every believer that came down to the front, that's saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. You know what I think the enemy loves to do to believers? Is I think he loves to handcuff them. I think he loves to say, well, you know, Jesus, that's good enough. But Jesus says, here's some comfort, freedom, fullness, and vision for your life. So right now, all over the room, if you came to the front, just lift your hands as we begin to worship. I just want to pray over you. Holy Spirit, would you just release anointing over them right now in the name of Jesus? Would you just release comfort over them right now in the name of Jesus? God, would they get a new anointing? God, would they walk into fullness of you, God? Would they know who you are? Would they trust who you are? I pray right now that addictions would leave right now in the name of Jesus. That cycles of sin would break off in the name of Jesus. That generational curses would break off in the name of Jesus. Right now, God is saying that there's somebody in this house, in this, in this place, who has a generational curse of suicide. It's being broken right now in the name of Jesus. We just declare right now, Jesus, give me freedom. You have my life. Let me step into the fullness of who you are. Let me know that you have called me a saint, not a sinner. That you love me. That I am whole. That I have comfort. That I know who I am because of what you did on the cross. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship and get in the presence of Jesus. Let's begin to sing out that he's here in this room. Let's begin to cry out to our God. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.